Amen and amen. You may be seated. He is worthy of all praise. Take your Bibles, if you would, toward the back of your Bibles. You will find 1 John chapter 5. We're going to be reading verses 11 through 13. Three verses. 1 John chapter 5, 11, 12, and 13. Good to see you all. One service today, and as you have come in here today, we are thankful that you have finished well uh, this year and this decade to be found in the Lord's house. And appreciate you coming to our one service today. It's only the third time this year that we've gone to one service. And uh, I sat outside on the bench about 8.20 this morning to watch, see how many cars would come through for the 8.30. Three or four came through, and some of you have come back. Not every one of you, though, I think. So, uh, But we're glad that you're here today. And it does remind us of uh, the reason and the unity that we have, not based on how many services we have, but... Uh, they all are based on our mission on who Jesus Christ is, and we have that in common here at Parkway Baptist Church as we want to continue to seek and to serve our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and share that message with the community and with the world around us. And we're glad that you're here to be a part of all that that is taking place uh, even today. We do encourage you, we'll be back to two services next week, and uh, we are uh, encourage you to come as we, uh, in January, we're doing a sermon series called Faithful to the Mission. Four messages we will come from the book of Jeremiah, and because uh, kind of a unique time for us, I guess. We had, back more than five years ago, we had a five-year uh, vision plan that we took a look at and took us through the end of this decade to the end of 2019, and so this day kind of marks the end of that five-year uh, mission and vision, but it's not stopping. We're continuing on, and what we're hoping to do is uh, now be ready to continue the mission, continue the vision that the Lord has for this church and for each of us individually. So as we continue the mission, it's not just the mission we have for the church, but it's the mission that the Lord has for you and the purpose that the Lord has for you as well. And so there'll be lots of emphasis on praying and planning this year. We hope to, by the uh, uh, kind of around our 50-year anniversary, which will be in September of this year, is we're going to kind of present a new mission vision plan of what it will be for the this next decade and so we look at a five and ten year plan be ready to present that we'll be preparing for that as a part of that we're bringing in the new year with a time of prayer 24 hours of prayer going to have the sanctuary open noon to noon december 31st to january 1st you can come at any time we'd appreciate it maybe if you can sign up so that we know that folks are coming at certain times we plan to have deacon and our staff that will be attending and uh, always here during that, so you can know there will be people here as you come. Sanctuary will be open. In fact, we've got two tables. If you've not already signed up, we encourage you to do that. If you can't come here, you're going to be out of town, well, do us a favor of getting up uh, one hour early before the ball game or something and uh, spend some time in prayer. And uh, on sometime during that, encourage all Parkway members and friends to be a part of that and be in prayer. And we thank you for that. But... We know we're looking through still kind of a Christmas spirit. We sang some Christmas songs, so I've got not a Christmas message. Although it's always a Christmas message, you understand, because we're always preaching, teaching, and talking about Jesus and sharing the good news. And now we have some good news for you from 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 13. So let's read those verses. Even now, this is the Word of God. Verse 11 reads like this, And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word. 
I want to tell you now how you might be able to have success in life. First of all, you're going to need two to four players, and then you're going to need to spin the big wheel to determine who goes first. The one to the right will go second. You'll continue to go in a clockwise position. You'll need to choose what color car that you will need, and then you will put pink or blue pegs there in your car. And the idea, and of course it's all left up to chance, and whatever happens on the big wheel, the idea is not to finish first as much as it is to gather as much cash and as much money and things along the way. Wait a minute, that's not uh, actually how to have success in life. That's how to play the game of life. Is this game of life, is this thing, is this thing still around? I bet nobody got this for Christmas. I can remember, I think it went out with the Brady Bunch. I can remember sitting around on Friday nights playing the game of life and watching the Brady Bunch and the Partridge family. And then after I got out of college, I had a social life. But anyway, <laughs> it is... Uh, Sometimes that uh, as we think about the problem of what most people do, they play a game called life. That is all they know. Life is a game and the one who finishes with the most wins. You see, many people, even many church people, do not know about real living that is found only in Jesus Christ. But it's stated simply, maybe as simply as it's stated anywhere in the Bible, it's found in verse 12 that we read just a moment ago. If you have Jesus, you have life. You have real life. If you do not have Jesus, you do not have a clue. Well, just make sure that we're keeping old games going. How many of you believe that? I mean that real life is found in Jesus. You can raise your hand. You can nod. Just look like you're awake. So, Well, if we believe that, certainly we can praise God that you have something and that you can be thankful for. You've, we've just celebrated the Christmas season, the coming of the Christ child that brings life to all those who believe and receive Him. Now, Ebenezer Scrooge, still it's a little bit Christmas, isn't it? Ebenezer Scrooge has become synonymous with the miser. Tight-fisted, wealthy, but miserable. Followers of Jesus should be known probably as the opposite. Compassionate, gracious, generous, and joyous. Made so by the grace that we receive through the life-giving power of Jesus. Now, in these three short verses, we're going to find some truths that we discover and see how this happens, how it is that a life that may be more like a Scrooge becomes more compassionate and gracious and generous and joyful. I believe that these verses are actually maybe the pinnacle or the climax of John's first letter. They express some of the essential truths for Christian living. So we have in the Scripture these Three great affirmations about life, about real life, things that we can always be assured of, that things that we can count on. You've got some notes that you can follow along with as well, and they'll be on the screen. But the first one is this. This life is a gift from God. It's not something that we could have deserved or ever earned. It's not a prize that we could have won. We might remember the verse Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. How could we ever deserve life with Jesus on this earth or in heaven? I can recall at Christmas time, particularly when I was younger, thinking that I sure hope Santa does not give me what I deserve because I felt like maybe I didn't deserve a whole lot. In fact, I always had hoped that he might give me more than I deserve and it always seemed to be the case. In fact, it still seems to be the case today. But by very definition, a gift, a truly gracious gift, is unmerited favor. For so many people, it's a stumbling block, though. It's hard to believe that salvation and eternal life 
is a free gift. And, a, and I'm not sure why, but there may be a couple of things, a couple of reasons why we have difficulty accepting salvation as a free gift. It may be because but we're taught that nothing in this world is truly free. No such thing as a free ride. So we're kind of skeptical about that. And we have a right to be skeptical because it's not free. It's only free to you and me. The Bible says that you were bought with a price. While you were still enemies of the cross, Jesus took your place and your punishment and mine and He died for you and me. But we also might have a problem understanding and accepting that it's a free gift because we might have an insecurity problem. We're not secure enough sometimes to accept God's gift. Do you ever have a problem receiving a compliment? I mean... I do sometimes have a problem just receiving a compliment. Someone gives us a compliment, we almost always make excuse for what they were complimenting us for. If somebody says, you sure did a good job singing in church today. By the way, that's never been said of me. But sometimes you automatically begin to say, oh, no, I messed up. I was so nervous. I blew it. Hey, I said you did a good job. The most gracious thing that you can do when someone gives you a compliment or somebody does something for you or they give you a gift is to do what? It's to say thank you. Not to talk around it or make excuses, but to stand there on your two little feet and say, thanks. Now, some of us don't have enough confidence even to be able to do that, so maybe it's okay, and here's a hint. It's okay probably to turn that around, maybe to say somebody does something for you or gives you a gift or gives you... Maybe it's okay to say, thank you, that's wonderful of you to say that. You're so very gracious. I appreciate you've made my day. You've made me feel better because of that. Hey. I was taught a long time ago to receive graciously. How about you? Were you taught to receive graciously? Not that I always have, but since we're taught to receive graciously, then let us accept God's gift graciously. Our Lord is the great confidence builder. Not confidence in just who we are alone and not in ourselves, but who we are in Christ. He wants to build confidence in us about God's purpose for our life, to experience His free gift graciously, what do we do? Well, we're to say thank you. Thank you, Lord. It's okay to turn it around and say, now, let me praise you. Let me praise you. Praise the name of Jesus in word and in deed. The question then remains, well, have you received and have you accepted the gift of life? You may not deserve it, but you must come repenting of sin and asking Jesus to come in and give you this life. And if you've not received Jesus, we're going to give you even more instruction before we're through here today. A second life truth that we can always count on, that life with God is found in Jesus alone. Life with God is found in Jesus alone. By, by a human standard, a person may be a good man or a good woman or a good student, a good parent or a good citizen. But by the standard of the gospel, if a person does not know Jesus, he or she does not qualify for heaven cannot become a Christian without Jesus, cannot be righteous. John does a lot of reasoning in his letter. If you've read the book of 1 John or the letter of 1 John, certainly I encourage you to do so, but he says things like this. You cannot say that you love God and not love others. You cannot love Jesus and hate your brother or your sister. He just simply says, it cannot be done. And he wants us to be able to know how we can how we cannot know God unless we know Jesus. Now the purpose of this passage and the book is not to cause doubts for believers, 
but it's to give assurance. Jesus is the life. He's our access to God because He is God who's come in the flesh. Now, if there's someone that you wish to know or meet, but it's not in your circle of friends or acquaintances, maybe you might find somebody who does know them, and then you might be able to be introduced. Well, it is that we want to be able to know God. We want to be able to be with God, live with Him forever. So the purpose of the Christ child coming to be born in Bethlehem who died on Calvary in Jerusalem so that we might have someone we know who can introduce us to God, who is God in the flesh. First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5 says this, God is on one side and all the people on the other side and Christ Jesus Himself, man, the one who came in the flesh, is between them to bring them together. Christ's work on this earth was perfect and it was complete. No other price has to be paid to have this life and to know God. Nothing else has to be done. And there's no other way but through Jesus alone. So these verses teach that we are called on to believe in the name of the Son of God, not necessarily understand all that there is to know about God. We are called on to believe, verse 13 tells us, to believe in the name of the Son of God, not necessarily understand everything that there is to know about God. There was a granddaughter who was helping her grandmother fix Christmas dinner, and as they were asking, 10-year-old granddaughter asked the grandmother, said, Grandma, how old are you? And she looks at him and she says, Well, dear, when you know people get my age, so we don't, uh, we don't like to share how old we are. Oh, come on, Grandma, tell me how old you are. No, dear, I'm not going to tell you how old I am. And it seemed to go by the wayside, and they continued to cook, but... After a few minutes, she noticed that the granddaughter was missing, not in the kitchen anymore. So she went to look through her and look for her. She found her in the grandmother's bedroom. She had emptied her purse there on the bed, and she was there in the middle of it, and she was holding up her driver's license. And she says, Grandma, you're 77. She said, How do you know that, dear? She said, Well, I see the year that you were born, and I counted it up, and you're 77. She says, Yes, dear, I'm 77. And she continued to look at the driver's license, then looked at her grandma, grandmother and said, And Grandma, you made an F in sex. <laughs> we are just having one service today, aren't we? <laughs> we may not understand all the things there is to know about the life or about God. Come on back with me if you would for just a moment. Even though we may not understand, we are called on to believe and to put our faith in Jesus and the promises of God's Word. We think or say sometimes, oh, I wish that I could have put aside my doubts. I always put faith and trust in Christ for my eternal salvation and everything else, but why not? I mean, you put your trust in every day in people. You put your trust in doctors to know what they're doing and pharmacists to fill the prescriptions. You go and eat in restaurants without even looking in the kitchen my goodness, the guy that's driving in the lane next to you has made no promise to you at all whatsoever, and yet you trust him to stay in his lane. So why not trust God to do what he says that he will do? The one who has demonstrated trustworthiness, the one who has said that he'll give you salvation, the one who said that he'll walk with you every day, the one who said that he will never forsake you, the one who has said that regardless of what happens in this life, the power and the greatness of God is greater than anything that can happen or the powers of this world. One more truth that we can always count on. Eternal life is guaranteed for every believer. Eternal life is guaranteed for every believer. When the Apostle John wrote his gospel, the gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he wrote his purpose for writing 
in John chapter 20 and verse 31. He says, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. In the letter that we've read today, he states his purpose for writing as well. 1 John 5.13 that we read a moment ago. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. You see, it's kind of the sequel. I write the gospel so that you might believe. And now that you believe, I write these things so that you might know. He wants believers to know they have eternal life. Eternal life does not just deal in quantity, but in quality. The word for eternal is aeonios, far more than simply lasting forever. After all, some kind of living, some kinds of living could be a curse, but since truly only God is eternal, it means a life that is shared with God Himself is life in Jesus. And that's not intended to be a life that you begin on a future day when you get to heaven, though that is the day in which we will be able to experience it fully. But it begins the moment that you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and we can share that kind of eternal life with God right now, where you experience hope, peace, love, and joy because you know the One who is eternal, which results in you to be more gracious and generous and compassionate and joyful, be much more like Jesus. Now, now we've talked about what eternal means. Let's talk about what the word to know means. It means to know absolutely, a positive, confident assurance, to have no doubts. The assurance about knowing we have eternal life is not egotistical, it is not arrogant, but it's an attribute of faith. Why would John write this if assurance was not possible for every believer? There is no reason to grope around in darkness concerning our relationship with God. It should be the one thing that you are sure of. Now remember, this confidence is not for everyone. Take a look again at verse 13. Who can know for sure they have eternal life? Is it for all those who go to church? Is it for all those who have given a tithe? Is it for all those who have been baptized? How about, every, how about all of you who are trying to be good? No. Those who can know for sure that those are those who have put their faith, their lives, and their eternity in the hands of the Savior. It's those who believe in Jesus. To know also means to know by experience. If someone asks you how you could know for sure, well, you could give some objective proof. When Jesus was baptized, there's a voice that came from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. We know the, because of the blood of the Christ that brings remission of sin. We know because of the empty tomb and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And These are wonderful, great truths and proofs that we have uh, and they are proof enough. But there's also subjective internal proof. You know because you know by experience. You've experienced Him. I know by experience because Jesus has come into my life and given me purpose and direction and He has walked with me even when I've gone through the dark and the difficult times. And this life that I have now with Jesus, it's not going to last for five or ten or fifty or a hundred years. No, it's going to last for all eternity. And the fact that John wrote this implies that you might be a believer, you may have eternal life, but you might not know for sure that you have it. Why would John need to write? I, I write this so that you might know for sure. Now, 
Everyone here looks pretty confident on this Sunday morning as we come into the Lord's house that you look pretty confident that you know these things that are true. But chances are that there are some and maybe even more than we know who have doubts and who are not sure even that they're saved or maybe believe in Jesus, but you're still not sure that you've done everything necessary that you're supposed to do in order to be able to have that real relationship with Jesus, experience real life, be able to go to heaven. Or that the Lord is loves you, the Lord's walking with you, you have doubts about some of these same things. Or maybe you wonder, well, if I'm really saved and God really loves me, then how can I go through so many trials and struggles if that were really true? What if I could tell you? What if I could tell you that you could know for sure that you're saved and Jesus is walking with you, will never leave you nor forsake you, and this life is over You'll spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. Would that be good news? Oh, I've asked many people that question. And everybody that I've ever asked that question has always said, oh yeah, that'd be good news. Well, I can't see into your heart, but I can tell you that being a believer with assurance is not based on feeling. It's not dependent on how good a person you are, but it's based on the fact. The Bible says, he who has the Son has life, real life and eternal life. And John writes in this text, he wants you to know for sure regardless of what's happened in the past. In a few minutes, we're going to have prayer and an invitation time and a song of response. And I want you to know that you can settle this matter now and forevermore. And I want you to be ready for that time. If you need to know for sure, if you're having doubts, most every believer goes through some times of doubting their salvation. So even true believers may have doubts at some times. Doubts are not an indicator that you're not saved. But what happens if we continue to live with doubts and a lack of assurance? Well, it could certainly stunt your spiritual growth. It may not grow like you should. It may rob you of the joy that God wants you to have. And it could cripple your usefulness in God's kingdom. So it may be time to stop wallowing in the doubts. So what difference does assurance make? Now here's the time. See, some of this that we've said, there's nothing new for many of you. You've known these things that are true. You may have dealt with them in the past. But I always like to come to the point, the place to where we say, here's the truths of the Bible, but let's not forget to ask, so what? So here's the so what. And the first one is this. You can stop trying to earn your salvation and start living for Jesus. You can stop trying to earn your salvation and start living for Jesus. You see... When you're still trying to earn your own way or trying to make it at least partly yours, maybe even mostly God's and partly yours, then the focus is always going to be on you. But when you start truly living freely for Jesus, then the focus needs to, becomes where it needs to be, and that is that you honor Him. And that's where your focus needs to be. But also, you can put away the doubts and start growing spiritually. We have the assurance, confidence in Christ, who we are in Christ. You can put away the doubts and start growing spiritually. If harboring doubts stunts your growth and having assurance, my goodness, it allows you to blossom. helps you to grow to be more like Jesus. If, if you're truly still having doubts, don't hide it from God. Through prayer, be honest with God. Turn those doubts over to Him and, have, and ask Him to help you to deal with it. It may be this very passage. It may be this very day, the last Sunday of 2019, that you finally put it all behind. And you say, yes, Lord, 
I believe. I'm going to walk with you daily. I'm going to put my faith in you daily. And I'm going to continue to grow and go with Jesus. But also, you can have a better incentive. You can have a better incentive. Love and live for Him because He first loved you. Love and live for Him because He first loved you. I was talking to a man not long ago. and He asked some tough questions. He said he had a hard time believing the Bible. He even said, now there may have been a Jesus, but I have a hard time believing that He was really the Son of God. And he said these words. He said, I just cannot rationalize it. My wife died a few weeks ago, and she was a Christian. My son died a few years ago, and I don't know for sure, but I don't believe that he was. And he asked me, do you mean to tell me that my wife would rather go to heaven and could be happy separated from her son for all eternity? It doesn't make sense to me. And I told him, I said, well, I certainly don't have all the answers. And the truth, we don't know what was in your son's heart. I do know that as much love as we have for our children and our husbands and our wives and family and friends, it's no comparison to God's love for us and the life He has to offer for all eternity. Well, there's some tough questions in this life and sometimes difficult things we face. But we can rely upon Him. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him and until that day. So let me ask you this morning, do you have assurance that you're without a doubt a born-again believer? If it's true, then in these next few moments, would you spend time thanking God for your salvation and asking God to allow the assurance to make you a person of grace and compassion and generosity and joy and more like Jesus? And pray for others who do not have the same assurance. And if the answer is no, I'm not sure. Then spend these next few moments settling the issue, the knowing that you are a child of God. And regardless of what you prayed in the past, regardless of what you've been through in the past, today, as long as it is a sincere and a genuine prayer, the Lord hears it. You can settle the issue today. And it may be that you want to pray a prayer like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I want to give you my past and my present in my future. Forgive me of all of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again and that you're alive today. Come and be my Savior and Lord. It may be that you want to pray a prayer similar to that right now. Let's bow together. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come now and enter our hearts and help us to be able to know with assurance the things that we've placed our faith in are more, have always been true, but we can know for sure that they're more true today. And we can know and have understanding that because of the assurance of who Jesus is in our life and in our heart, that we can live with confidence in you and in who you are in us. And it'll make a difference in our generosity, in our grace, in our compassion, in our joy. We pray, Father, today, if there's one here that's not sure, 
or anyone who's come in and knows that they don't have Jesus in their heart and their home in heaven, that today they can pray. Ask Christ to forgive them of their sins. Ask Jesus to come in. And you'll give them salvation. Just as sure as your word says, whoever has Jesus has real life and eternal life. Thank you, Father, for your goodness to us. Thank you for how you continue to be at work. We look back over the past year and even over the past few years, and Father, we thank you for how you have been at work. We look forward to what you're going to do in the new year, in the new decade. Father, may we be ever so diligent to commit ourselves to you, ready to consecrate ourselves, Father, to be ready to honor your name in everything that we do. Thank you for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Thank you for the Parkway Baptist Church family. And thank you for the opportunity that you allow us to be a part of your work. It's in Christ's name we lift these prayers. Amen and amen. Would you please stand? We're going to be singing our song of response and as we do today. Brother Bobby and I are going to be down here toward the front if you'd like to come and talk with one of us. If you are uh, looking for a church home, we invite you to look no further. We invite you to come and be a part of the Parkway Baptist Church family. This is how we do it. At the end of this service as we sing this song. You just come. You take one of our hands. Let us know. We'd like to, you'd like to come and join this church and we'll take it from there. And uh, if you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we encourage you to come also. If you prayed the prayer today, let somebody know. Let us know that you've prayed and asked Christ to come into your heart and life. Maybe you've done it in the past, but you've never made it public. Today needs to be the day that you come. Make that public. Man, what, what a great day to do it on the last Sunday of 2019. Uh, what a great day to join. Altar is open if you'd like to come and pray. You want to come pray with one of us, you certainly can. As we sing together, you come.